Kia ora, and welcome to 15 Minute Futures, the podcast that explores the future in bite size, but with a Kiwi twist. It's great to have you with us. Today we'll be looking at how and why 3D printing is taking off, and we'll ask the question, is this a good or a bad thing? Hi Rob, how are you today? I'm doing very well, thanks Steve, and I'm pretty excited about diving into the world of 3D printing. So what exactly is 3D printing? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, 3D printing has been around for about 30 years now, and it, it sort of started in the 80s where um, some guys in, in Japan came up with the initial technology. But essentially, 3D printing is about creating 3D structures by layering um, material on top of each other. And it, it is very much about creating shapes and products that would be extremely difficult to create using other production methods. Yeah, that's um, that's. Really interesting. I mean, I was thinking about all those poor women out there who don't have shoes that actually fit their feet. Obviously, if you could personalize your shoes, that would make a big difference. Or if you're thinking about home improvement, uh, the mass produced things that we get at the moment, like shower heads, which cost, I think it's somewhere between seven and $440 for a shower head versus the cost of 3D printer, which is about $2.53. Huge differences in ability to 3D print things at a much cheaper cost and in a much more personalized way. So I think those are quite interesting. And even, you know, I mentioned 3D printing the engagement ring, you know, using gold or silver. That's now possible. Have you sort of looked into this at all, Rob? Yeah, well, thanks, Steve. Yeah, yeah, I have. I think 3D printing and, and now 4D printing is occurring in, in different parts around the world and, and going at a different rate of knots. So, for example, in New Zealand, I'm aware that there is some innovation being looked at in terms of using uh, living cells to 3D print wood. Now, for a country that has a lot of pine and prides itself on uh, timber frame construction, 3D printing using cellulose and wood strikes me as a bit of a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly seems to be a bit of a, a potential shift from just exporting logs if, if you can 3D print them into certain shapes uh, rather than even ever having to, to do that. I wonder how much that's going to change some of our, our wood export industry. I think so, Steve. And, and also, it, it's, a, it's a huge enabling technology for some of the changes we're seeing in other industry sectors. So, for example, think about 3D printing of car bodies or uh, motor parts for electric vehicles. This might absolutely en enable the uh, electric and autonomous car industry to take off. And Gartner, who were originally quite cautious about this technology, now predict that by 2021, 75% of all new commercial and military aircraft will fly with um, some form of 3D engine part. That, that's pretty amazing. This is going to be a bit of a revolution in our production. So if you think about New Zealand with its housing shortage and you know the price of houses, particularly in Auckland, going completely bonkers, obviously the ability to produce component parts uh, cheaply and mass produce them is, is going to make a big difference to our ability to, to get houses out there. But it seems to be taking a while, um, and that's part of what I found a bit interesting. While overseas in places like Amsterdam, they're 3D printing, you know, full, fully sized canal houses, or in Shanghai, they're beginning to produce all kinds of different 3D houses. Um, we seem to be struggling in New Zealand to actually take up this technology. But I see that in Saudi Arabia, they have actually now done piloting the uh, the mass production of 3D printed houses, which presumably is going to help us take this stuff uh, a bit more mainstream, which which I guess is one of the biggest underlying questions here is when this goes from some boutique little, you know, figurine that you print out in plastic to things that are actually useful for our daily lives. 
So in terms of looking ahead, what are you seeing that would be actually useful from this technology, Rob? Well, let's go to take it a different way for a moment, Steve. Let's think about personalized medicine and bioengineering. You know, drug companies creating or 3D printing tablets and pills, layering one pharmaceutical on top of another, creating dentures or prosthetics for orthopedic surgery perfectly designed for an individual. And, and even maybe on the on the food food frontier, using plant materials to mimic the texture of of meat. I mean, the applications are very very broad and pretty exciting. But it does lead me to a big question around: so what? So so what does this actually mean for New Zealanders and New Zealand as a whole? Yeah, well, I guess part of the answer there is why has it taken so long to take off? And and clearly the cost structure of this has been changing and is, is now beginning to get to the point where it's actually viable on a mass production scale. When you look at the actual projections from companies like McKinsey, I think they're saying that the 3D printing market will grow to between 180 billion and 490 billion by 2025. I mean, 2025 isn't even that far away. That's a heck of a massive leap uh, in, in the usage of these 3D printed uh, goods and services, I guess, uh, that we're going to see. And also, um, I understand there are whole um, countries or cities that are beginning to look at this around things like, um, you know, whole strategies of using 3D printing to give their city an edge. Um, And have you come across, I think you were talking about Dubai, is that right? Absolutely. Um, Dubai, I mean, deliberately positioning itself as a 3D printing hub for the world um, with some pretty ambitious targets, Steve. Um, By 2025, every new building in Dubai will be at least 25% 3D printed. And I guess it will start with the door handles and the hardware and and the, the simpler, smaller parts, but leading to larger, more structural components of those buildings. And I think the Dubai Health Authority is, is committed to regulating and setting standards around the use of, of 3D printing technology for prosthetic limbs, 3D printed teeth, uh, 3D printed hearing aids and public clinics. It just goes on and on. There's a country really committed to driving 3D printing. It'll be interesting to see how other countries follow suit. So when you think about the so what, I mean, you were asking before, what does this mean for business? It looks to me like 3D printing is coming uh, whether business is ready or not. So if you produce something as a business, you're probably going to have to have a think about how you might be able to take it into the 3D printing area or face being disrupted by someone who can produce your goods more cheaply and make it available to people without any transport costs. And I can see there are some really interesting new businesses already springing up that are doing this. I think, um, you know, all kinds of uh, interesting manufacturing options around uh, printing a metal, but also plastic and jewellery, as we, as we were saying. But I guess the question for me is, when is this actually going to go mainstream for you and me, for, for average people as well? You know, is this going to just start as a, as a business, starting by them mass producing things? Or are we all going to have our own individual 3D printers that we can print out everything we need in life? What do you think is going to come first, Rob? Yeah, that's really interesting, Steve. Uh, one of the questions in my mind about 3D printing is, is if everyone has access to the technology to print, where does the creativity come in terms of what gets printed? Or, or whether that's where the cost will be. The printing will be very low cost, but you will, you will have to pay for the, for the design and creativity. What would be the Spotify equivalent for 3D printed plans where you have entire libraries of of products and parts that you can maybe download or access to load into your home 
3D printer. Um, and then again, will that open up an entire black market um, uh, situation or potentially some huge regulatory challenges? Because we already know that um, in terms of protecting intellectual property rights, it's as tricky as it stands, let alone going into the world of 3D printing. But for the average person, I, I just I just see greater and greater access to printing things that are more personalized and bespoke. Now, with drone technology, it may be that everyone doesn't need to have a 3D printer in their own home. They simply dial up their order and have it sent to them. So I, I can see um, some, some real effects on consumer behavior, both here and in, in the larger developing countries and developed countries. Clearly, there's going to be a big question that arises about what we're using to actually 3D print things whether or not what we're doing is, is using plastic as, as most people have done to date. You know, we don't have a great record of using plastic and then throwing it away. So hopefully what we'll begin to see is a shift in mentality from people thinking about using and throwing away to actually using, breaking down and using again. So it's a bit like recycling, but actually maybe more localized. So imagine if instead of just having a 3D printer, we also all had 3D uh, recyclers. So, you know, you finish using something, you turf it into the recycler, out comes the filament that remakes the next thing that you need. It would be pretty cool if we could do that, but what we would need, and I think actually NASA does do that, uh, they have a recycler as well, but in order to actually require that, presumably we'll need government to regulate these things and, and sort of manage some of the risks of the pollution uh, that would otherwise result of this. I mean, what are you seeing in terms of the risks around pollution, Rob? Well, as I understand it, the, um, the 3D printed technology does does present some risks. There's, there are fumes or um, nanoparticles given off through the production process, which means there may be um, health and safety considerations, either at a manufacturing scale or indeed if you had this technology around your, your home. So it's one thing to print, but to print safely is, 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 a, is the question. So there's probably some more work to be done um, by agencies such as WorkSafe and EPA to, to, to figure out what those risks actually are. Yeah, I certainly don't want to be inhaling airborne particles causing lung disease, you know, in, imbibing a whole lot of um, plastic particles into my lungs. Um, but I think there are some really cool opportunities there too. Like when you look at some of the materials that people are now using, you know, I think some of the ones I came across were things like hemp and beer or even coffee um, or, or harakeke or flax and, and PowerShell. Um, you know, it's pretty amazing. It looks like you can pretty much print with anything there. And so the question is, you know, is, is government ready to regulate this new industry and, and are they going to do so in a way that, that means that we actually improve our impact on the environment rather than making it worse? Obviously, any technology can made, be made for something you know, good or something bad. But I understand you've been seeing some of the other downsides as well, Rob. Um, what else have you been seeing? I think one of the big concerns about 3D printing is, uh, is around the access uh, of, wep of weapons. And um, I guess the, some of the public disorder and risk associated with anyone being able to pre 3D print a pistol or a firearm or a semi-automatic weapon. Um, at the moment, that's not too much of an issue because there's such an oversupply of firearms in many countries. But that is something that governments will have to con consider. Um, what will they need to censor what you can print and how might they do that? That's tricky. That is tricky. It's a bit like censoring the internet, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. But I guess there are ways of, of regulating the kind of materials that are used and, and the kind of people who, who end up producing the printers. 
So I guess the question is, overall, having looked at all these things, um, are you more upbeat or more worried about our 3D printed future, Rob? I, I'm definitely upbeat. I think the potential application in New Zealand of 3D printing is, is, is great and, and quite exciting. You know, some of the innovation coming out of Canterbury University around 3D printing with uh, wood, wood cells and cellulose, it might be a fundamental game changer to our forestry industry or building and construction using these sorts of wood-based products. I'm, I'm hugely positive about it. Yeah, certainly better than just shipping logs all over the country and having other people capture the value-add component. Um, so huge potential benefits for our economies, but obviously only if we actually regulate um, some of the materials that are used for this and, and, and the printers themselves. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not all that keen to huff microplastic anytime soon. Me neither. <laughs> uh, and that ticking sound means uh, our 15 minutes are nearly up. I suppose there's just a couple more things. First, be a bit of a question for our listeners. What do you think is the most important thing we should do to prepare for a world of 3D printing? If you've got a view on this, go to our website at 15minutefutures.org and uh, have your say. Thanks to you for listening. Also, thanks to our sponsors, Springload, for digital products that catapult your business to the next level. And Anticipate, the company that helps you look ahead, plan ahead, and get ahead. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Steve.